Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, what do you know? It's 4.31 in the morning and uh, we've just had two more gargantuan Grand Slam semi-finals. One over the best of five sets, which was weird and not very wonderful. And one straight sets match, which was absolutely spellbinding and just had everything, really. I don't think I've seen a more dramatic thrill ride of a, a straight sets match. And what it's left us with is Alexander Zverev coming back from two sets to love down uh, to beat Pablo Carina Busta in five, and then Dominic Team squeezing past Daniel Medvedev in a couple of tie breaks um, to at least get something of an earlier night, which is not something that we're really used to doing. Matt Roberts. Uh, no Catherine tonight, folks. Um, we, 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 she's not able to join us tonight. However, we do have Mary Carrillo with us a little bit later in the show to look ahead to the women's final, which is going to be taking place tomorrow. How are we doing, Matt? You all right? Yes. Just thinking back to something Naomi Osaka said yesterday, which was, I don't really sleep during Grand Slams. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm relating to that very, very hard at the moment. I mean, it's only been, what is it, eight months, nine months since we had a Grand Slam. I feel like I've forgotten how they work. Like, this is yeah. this is quite normal, really, but it's it, it has hit me hard. Yeah, I think, I think we get hardened to it. But I think the other thing you have to bear in mind is it's the US Open and the Australian Open. That's the thing. They're, mm. the, they're, for us, they're the all-nighters, aren't they? And they're the ones with night sessions, whereas... Wimbledon we have a lovely time you know we just sort of sitting there on Henman Hill with our pints and our picnic tables at about 7 p.m and we were all done and dusted by eight crikey <laughs> yeah it's a Life breeze really isn't it yeah sure is um so yeah Mary Carillo coming up and trust me as always, every word of that is is worth your time uh let's just go through these matches first Matt Zverev was embarrassing in his words for the first two sets. And he's chosen exactly the right word because he played appallingly for the first two sets. And he was 5-1 down in the first at one stage. He was 5-love down in the second. 
And he did manage to get a couple of games, which were basically donations from Corinna Buster. He was struggling to find the court a lot of the time. Was very, he was double faulting, his forearm was going all over the place. I thought he might be ill. I was thinking, you know, he can't, a fully fit Alexander Zverev cannot be playing this badly in a Grand Slam semi-final. But lo and behold, he was. Yeah, you know it's bad when the best possible scenario was that he was ill, and that was, <laughs> and that was the explanation for what he was producing. Because I mean, you said at the top of the show it was a it was a match played over the best of five sets. It was kind of redefining that and it was almost the worst of five sets wasn't it I mean those as you said those first two were really really striking I mean we've we've known Zverev play not his best tennis in Grand Slam matches but that's the worst I think I've ever seen him play he was missing the court by significant margins he was double faulting he his his shoulders were slumping um and for such a for such a confident man he looked completely lost on the court in terms of what he was actually trying to do with the tennis ball and how he was trying to win a match he seemed to have no plan whatsoever whereas Krenya Buster is a guy who I think really understands his limitations on a court and knows how to get the best out of himself and he was doing that for those first two sets and to be honest the scoreline was flattering Zverev as you said there were a couple of donations from Karenia Busta at the end of each set and without those it could have been an awful lot worse um, so quite how we went from that to Zverev for the first time in his career managing to mount a comeback from two sets to love down was pretty remarkable however I don't think his tennis reached the heights he would have liked it to reach it certainly improved mainly because it couldn't get a lot worse but I think he was he was helped a lot by Karenia Buster, I think, getting pretty nervous, pretty tight, and certainly providing him with a path back into the match, which credit to Zverev he took, but it wasn't convincing at all. To put it into perspective, Yevgeny Kafelnikov, former world number one, tweeted after the first two sets, this is the worst US Open semi-final since Kafelnikov versus Hewitt in 2001. <laughs> No. Which I thought was a, a rare moment of self-awareness from you, Kenny. <laughs> I don't know that match, David. Was it really bad? Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, Yevgeny, I don't think he enjoyed it at all, as as you can kind of tell there. But fair play to him. He's he's the one who calls it on himself. Um, and and he was absolutely right. I mean, the, those two sets, because it, you know, it wasn't, ex- I mean, Corona Buster was playing okay. But it was just a race to the bottom in so many ways. Mm. I mean, when you consider what we'd had the night before, it was it was the opposite of the euphoric, uplifting feeling we were feeling the night before. This was just oh dear, really? Is you know, it's a Grand Slam semi final. Have we got have we got this? And and I and I really worried for Zverev because if he'd have lost that. If he'd a tail spun out of this tournament in straight sets, which he really looked like he was going to do, what sort of damage might that have done to him mentally? And actually, huge credit to him, therefore, for finding a way. You know, we, we, we give Andy Murray huge credit when he finds a way, and he did, didn't he? He was playing terribly in that match against Nishioka, and he found a way. And whilst this is the first time Zverev has come back from two sets to love down to win, he's now had 
14 five-set victories in his career and only six defeats over the, over the distance. And, I mean, look, half of that is him getting him in, into scrapes that he really shouldn't be in. But at least he digs himself out of a lot of them. Um, you know, so fair play. I mean, he obviously was racked with nerves. He, he admitted it. He admitted it. He, he said at 6-3-5, love, this is embarrassing. I've got to find a way to at least play. Um, and I actually like that candor from him. Yeah, as you said, he's he's very good at digging himself holes, but to his credit, he's even better at digging himself out of them. And he's he's had a lot of experience. He's we have seen this sort of thing from him before. And you know, just just the other day, Serena Williams said, "It's not how you start; it's how you finish." And ultimately, that is the most important thing. He got the job done. He won, but. I don't know. I think if you only look at the result, you're kind of ignoring the layers and the context of the match. And as impressive as it was that he came through it, I'm still on the fence as to whether it was a positive experience for him in the way, because his tennis was was so below the level I would expect from him, given the weapons Mm. that he has, that it's slightly concerning that he wasn't able to find his best game in in that big match against an opponent who he was favoured against and could have crushed, to be honest, in three sets. I mean, because Krenjabusta, as you said, he played well, but once Verev did dial it in a little bit more and steady himself, he was clearly, clearly the better player in that match. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just just a perplexing match, really, and one that's quite difficult to kind of draw conclusions from, I think. Yeah, I, I think he's playing considerably worse than he was in Australia when For he sure. had 75 to 80% first serves in and he was serving, that was with an average of 126 mile an hour serves and he was only hitting a couple of double faults a match. Um, he would have been beaten tonight by Daniel Medvedev comfortably, even though Medvedev lost in straight sets. That That is how I feel based on their respective performances tonight shows how well team ended up playing in order to get over the line against him. Just before we move on to that, though, I do think the other thing to to say is that I think Karina Buster will feel gutted tonight. I know, I know that we, th- we think of him as, oh, he'll be happy to reach the semifinals, but that's the second US semifinal that he's going to set up in. This one he went two sets up in. The last one he lost to Anderson in four in 2017. And... He he really lost his game, he lo- and and for somebody as solid as him, he made far too many unforced errors in those last three sets. Absolutely, you would think that the last time he got to the U.S. Open semi-final, as you said, a set up on Kevin Anderson, that at the time felt like probably his biggest chance ever to make a Grand Slam final. Well, he had an even better chance today, and. Yeah, his his game collapsed. I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. He he lost he lost his steadiness. He lost his rhythm. He lost his confidence. Um, and Catherine put it to Daniela and Tim Henman on on Amazon Prime about whether whether they thought he would be in this position again. And they both you know they both praised him as a tennis player. But Tim Henman was was making that point that this was. This was probably his biggest opportunity lost when you consider, you know, he obviously beat some good players in this tournament, but the the draw did open up for him with with Djokovic's default. And yeah, he will be he will be ruining those missed opportunities, I think. 
Catherine interviewed Dominic Team after Team's three-set victory over Daniel Medvedev, and um, and he was talking about both after the match uh, on court and in this interview about how he sort of want how desperate he is to get this one under his belt because he's already lost three finals and this is the one, isn't it? I mean. Two finals against Nadal on clay at the French Open, one on hard court in Australia against Djokovic. Those are the, just about as hard as it gets, really, in terms of trying to get over the hump. This one is the one he should win. Um, Catherine has just texted to say, missing Kitzbühel might actually be worth it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for team, he might accept that. Um, but the just to go over the match quickly, he won the first set comfortably. And really, after a, a, a sort of stunning start to the match from both players, it went very quickly in his direction because Daniel Medvedev from US Open 2019 turned up for a few minutes. <laughs> How great was that? <laughs> it was the best. Uh, just if you didn't see it, he argued over a, a, a decision by the chair umpire not to let him uh, challenge for a Hawkeye overrule for a, for a Hawkeye challenge and and then Medvedev walked around the other side of the net to examine the mark which you're not allowed to do at all Wayne McHugh and the umpire the referee had a word with him on the side of the court and uh, and Medvedev was saying oh I'm so sorry I'm sorry I killed someone didn't I I killed someone that's what I that's why I got a warning <laughs> you know what those that level of sarcasm and kind of sass reminds me of now we've done more tennis we live martina hingis couldn't you imagine martina yeah. hingis having that kind of sort of mini meltdown and i thought he was going to lose it i thought he was going to completely spiral out of control and the match might be over within an hour from there well he lost four games in 10 minutes yeah. after that didn't he and he was saying i sincerely apologize to the usda <laughs> because you know obviously i've killed somebody so i sincerely apologize to the usda and the us open please accept my apologies <laughs> so funny the joke of a us open <laughs> is this a joke now is this a joke of a us open is it you just sit there you just sit there magnificent uh, yes I, I was really worried that we were just going to get corporate medvedev from now on based on all the social media posts that have been happening in over the last 12 months and the the general sanitization of him on the court for a little bit but no th this was a reminder that he is still that guy <laughs> it's in there yeah um so yeah we don't need to worry about the memories and the metronomic winning the titles <laughs> there's uh the 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 devil is still in there good on him um but what i was very impressed with him about is the way in sets two and three he put that behind him and just went to work and the, some of the rallies the exchanges between the two of them i mean really it should not have been a straight sets match medvedev was up in both of those sets and he should have won at least one of them yeah i think you tweeted david that the quality of the match couldn't have been more different in a very positive way to the first one um something i remember daniela doing on on the prime coverage was literally having to find a new word to describe how bad the first semi-final was in English. You know, she speaks English incredibly fluently and well, Daniela, but 
she obviously didn't feel like any of the words she knew did it justice. So, so, so she came up with diabolical. <laughs> Fantastic. And then for the second semi-final, I think she came up with mesmerizing, which was her new word. Oh, and I thought that described them very well. And um, as you said, Medvedev really was impressive in those second and third sets. He's such a problem solver on the court and he's such a thinker and he you can literally see him changing the way he's playing. He he um he talked about this when he beat Rublev. He said the first few games he was feeling the match out and ended up playing the more aggressive tennis against Rublev and being the one trying to dictate the rallies which he didn't expect because he felt that was his path to winning the match and he started to do that a little bit more against team. He started started coming forward a little bit and taking the ball earlier and trying to push team around. And it was so impressive the way he's got that chip to be able to figure that out mid-match. Um, but it was it was a reminder of how good Dominic team is as well. Not that we really needed it. He's really, he's really stepped it up in these last few matches. Ever since Djokovic went out, he's, he's really, well, he's won three straight sets matches in a row and I'm bowled over, really, by the way he has gradually improved his game on a hard court. You know, you go back two years, I think, and that was the US Open where he beat Kevin Anderson for the first time and pushed Nadal, and that was when he first started to make strides on a hard court. But you compare the player he is now, and he's so much more intelligent in terms of using what he has to suit a hard court. He he massively upped his number of slice backhands today against yeah. Medvedev. They, they, sh- they showed the divide on, on the prime coverage between the number of slices versus topspin backhands mm. he hit this year compared to last year. And it was about a 30% difference. Um, and he was just digging into that slice. And he, it's reliable. It never misses. He just digs in, digs in, digs in. You can't hit a winner off it very easily. And then he sets up his backhand oh. down the line with it, doesn't he? And the, and you're just waiting for it. Which one's he going to go for? Which <laughs> one's he going to pull the trick on? Bang! Yeah. And you're like, whoa! <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. When he's when he's playing his best, he's he's one of the best players to watch. He's got a he's got a thrilling technique and a and so much power and effort goes into every single stroke, especially when he unleashes on on that backhand, as you said. And and the slice was changing the riv- rhythm of the rallies and not allowing Medvedev to hit winners and kind of, as you said, setting up his own shot. And just to compare the team that we used to see when he used to literally try and hit every ball for a winner on a hard court, it's it's a dramatic improvement, but done sort of subtly and gradually over the last couple of years. And now he is a complete player. He has now reached back-to-back hardcore Grand Slam finals. He's reached finals of all the slams you would think he would have a chance of reaching the finals in. And now he's got his shot, as you said, playing a non-Big 3 member for the first time. He now goes in to this final as the favourite. And that's a that's a new position for him to adjust to. But he turns up in big matches, Dominic team, and I expect him to on Sunday as well. Yeah, so do I. So yeah, that match will take place on Sunday. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? 
Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. First, though, we've got the women's final tomorrow. So let's say hello to Mary Carrillo. Hello, David. Um, last night was one of the best uh, nights of tennis I've ever personally experienced. Um, I called the second match, the Serena Vega match, and I thought, oh, boy, how, how is this thing going to beat the undercard? But they were both spectacular in their own ways. I mean, point for point, Jen Brady and Osaka, I, I was inspired and in awe of the way they played. And I got to sit in the stands for that one uh, for much of the match. And it was, I don't know. I, I find tennis to be such an intimate sport anyway. So, so to see this staggeringly good brand of tennis in an almost empty arena amplified it for me. Um, mm. It just made it more uh, <laughs> astonishing that these two could produce such things internally you know, bring it, bring it all out of themselves in that way. Um, I love that match. I just loved it. And then after the 6-1 first set with Vika and Serena, I thought, oh, man, that's too bad. This is when we've been godding up, you know. <laughs> we've, we've been bigging this thing up, you know, ever since Vika got her way into the semis. And then that thing caught fire as well. Um, it was remarkable. I, I th This has been a, a very special U.S. Open for me in in a lot of important ways. But the fact that I got to be there last night to see that tennis is something I'll hang on to for a long while. Mm. The uh, let's just take take them in turn first. That that that, that first match and and the, and the setting because you were in the stadium. I, you talk about the intimacy of it. That that's the thing that I'm thinking about is that it was just about them. There were no other factors. Exactly right. That's exactly what it, what it felt like. 
And, and it, the fact that those two women were able to, and of course, Naomi's been there. She's been on grand stages before and she's played grand tennis before. But for a lot of us, this iteration of Jan, of Jen Brady has been a revelation and that she was able to stay so poised and so composed and still bring all kinds of fire and live with Naomi for so long in that match was really something to see. Um, it was, God, it, it was terrific. You know, it's, I, I, it brought me back to something that Naomi Osaka said of herself last year when she did not win the U.S. Open. Um, she said, if I could believe in myself the way others believe in me, I think I would be very good. And that really stayed with me. And then it, it came back to me last night when I was watching her play that tennis because now this year, with all that's happened to her on and off the court, she knows that she could be, <laughs> she can, that she does believe in herself and that she could be very good. Oh man, she was, she was something, wasn't she? Uh, apart from some disreputable looking tosses on her serve, <laughs> um, the rest of her game was something, wasn't it? And what, when she does serve big, I don't know how well it comes across on TV, but once she gets her tosses right, the extension of her upper body, the leg drive, um, that when she serves like that, that ball stays hit. <laughs> when Jen Brady was hitting her forehands, even some of her big backhands, those balls stay hit. I mean, the intention uh, was so clear, you know. Oh, boy, that was a good match, wasn't it? Do, do you think Brady is going to be able to make a thing of this? Because I, I was thinking back about three years ago to when Caroline Garcia had her fantastic run at the end of the year, and, and I thought that this is the start of something not not the climax of something. Mm. And, I, and I mean, maybe it still will be, but, it, but basically I was wrong. And, and this, I just wonder whether, when does a purple patch become a sustainable thing? Oh, I think someone like Caroline Garcia, her game is more varied and complicated, you know? And, and I think a lot, of, a lot of her game depends on how focused she is on the day and how much confidence she's got in her shots. Um, you know, she, you could tell that she wants to compete, but sometimes she just can't bring it. But Jen Brady is the quintessential big babe. Um, her game hangs on simple hooks and, and it's very much power based, hitting based. And she has achieved a level of fitness that I think will sustain her. I mean, she knows what it takes to live with other big babes or other brands of tennis that she will be facing. And if you're quick enough to get yourself behind the ball to hit your shots that big, yeah, I think she's going to be around. She's, as we say here in Queens, David, she's the goods. <laughs> she's the goods. <laughs> <laughs> and a... uh, as we also say in Queens, uh, she's probably going to win a lot of lettuce. <laughs> 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 I've loved being in Queens these last few weeks. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a chick from Queens. So I was going to say, why this, why are you enjoying it so much? I mean, you're in a deserted stadium. There's nobody around. Know. You, you know, you've got partitions between you and your co-commentators. Why are you enjoying this so much? Um, I think I feel privileged to be here. I honestly, I think that's it. I think all of us who are doing the broadcasting, we know how privileged we are to be seeing the 2020 U.S. Open in person. Um, and I and 
uh, we're all aware of it. The, those of us who can, like, it, we go down and watch the matches. We can sit just about anywhere we want. Um, we can we can see the coaches. We can see their friends. We get your. Um, it's it, you just feel privileged um, to be a part of something like this. And I have also felt safe throughout. So there's no fear. I, I had a lot of hesitations about the idea of coming here, but I have felt I, I have felt very safe. Um, we all take great precautions. We're all very respectful of of this environment. So I think that's why it's it's meant so much to me these couple of weeks. The the four players, it seemed to me last night, were all getting off on the fact that they were just able to go toe to toe like that, and they were they all seemed to be absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know whether Serena Williams will come off and and, and think she enjoyed it, but it it was so intense that it became, I think, fun for them as competitors. Yes, I think. Uh, well, just to give a, a a tip of my pointy hat to Serena. She won this thing for the first time about 20 years ago, David, and she comes in 20 years on and still is considered one of the favorites. Let's think about that for just a fraction of a moment. Mm, um, and she was moving and like a 19-year-old for, for about she, an hour. Yes, yes. She, she moved well, and even when she doesn't play well, she competes so well. So, you know, you sort of have it in the back of your brain pan that she's going to figure out a way to win a tight one anyway. And she, even if she's not fit you know she had an achilles issue you you kind of feel like i always get that sense with serena that she's on the court and she's down a set or down a break and she kind of puts her hands on her hips and thinks to herself wait a minute there has got to be a way i can win this match and and then she goes about and tries to figure out a way to do that but that's exactly what victoria azarenka did to serena last night i mean after getting smithereened in that first set that that Vika continued to take herself seriously was really something to see, wasn't it? I, I've seen plenty of people just walk away from that moment, and instead she just dug right into it. And, and not least because Azarenka just has not been a factor for such a long time. I I didn't think she had this in her at all uh, two weeks ago. I'm as I'm surprised as well because she has not had the spark in her game. Um, that she's been able to to show uh, this fortnight, she just hasn't. She hasn't moved this well. She hasn't been this fit. She hasn't, and because she hasn't moved as well, she hasn't been able to hit as well. Um, her return game, I've I've always been so admiring of her return game. That thing is back. Um, yeah, it's again the uh, gosh. There was <laughs> no one who played yesterday was at all booable. I mean, normally there's someone you think, oh, boy, I really would, I'd really prefer them to win this match. I really want her to beat her. I really want him to beat him. There was no, there's no measure of booability at all in this women's semifinals. They all deserved it. They all earned their spot to be there. Any outcome I would have been okay with. And I'm not usually like that. You know, normally I know what I want. I know what I want to see. I would have been happy if, any of those four last night would end up holding up the trophy. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, just, just on Serena, do you think 
she's played a lot of matches recently for her. She's played a lot of three-set matches, so she has tennis in the body. And I know she was saying last night that she's going to go to Paris and play the French Open. Do Do you think there is another level for her to find with whatever it might be, match play, confidence? Do you think, because she's now lost a lot of big matches on yes. the big stages. And I just wonder whether, whether there is another gear now. That's, I think that's the question. I mean, what is the continuing motivation for this woman? I mean, God knows she does not have to keep putting herself under that kind of stress and continuing to train for that long. And normally, David, I mean, this is the tournament after which Serena shuts down her year. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't play the fall. She doesn't like playing in Asia. Um, now she's supposed to she's and I as of right this second, I think she's still entered in Rome next week. And she loves Italy. She loves Rome. It's where she met her husband. Um and then she's to play the French Open after that. And I mean, I'm I'm going to assume Serena has gone months without practicing on clay. I mean, she of all the active players, she's the one who's won Roland Garros the most, but yeah, you have to wonder again how she claims that she that she wants it, that, that she'll show up in Paris. But the fact that she can't even stay at her own apartment, which frankly sounds a lot safer to me than her staying in one of the designated hotels. There's two hotels that the FFT have designated for the players. Um, there's not a bubble. There will be fans. I can understand. I can understand Serena deciding, ah, the hell with that, you know? So it, it going forward, can she find another gear? Um, I think the gear she continues to need to find is motivational. Um, but again, she used to, you know, power, her power, uh, nobody could live with it. And now there's a bunch of players that she has inspired to, that can live with her like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, another thing, remember um, <laughs> Osaka, uh, she said, she was asked, this was last year. Um, she was asked, um, who inspires her? Do you remember her answer, David? No. I'll, 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 she said, my, my mom, my sister, Serena, and Beyonce, in that order. <laughs> <laughs> She's brilliant. <laughs> she really, it's, it's so funny because um, I've always been a big fan of this kid. And, and, but, and she says things and you're thinking, wait, does she know how clever that is? It, does she know how funny that is? Because when she says stuff, it seems like it's unintentional humor. But then you're thinking, no, I think, I think she landed that one, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it, Serena has not only inspired Osaka. I mean, look at Jen Brady's game. Look what she brings. Look what Vika has so often been able to bring against Serena in their matches. Um, so Serena is now facing a, a brand of tennis that she pretty much designed. And now she's, you know, now she's crowding 40. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I, I honestly, there was a part of me, as much as I was invigorated and energized by that match last night, when Serena walked off that court and again, fanless, there, you know, there, it was a weird way for her to walk off that court. You know, I just, I, I, I went from being so happy for Vika to going right over watching Venus, uh, watching Serena walk off that court to zero fanfare. I mean, the fans would have been uh, 23 and a half thousand fans would have been giving her a standing ovation last night. 
and and instead she just uh, was this lonely figure walking through the tunnels of Ash Stadium into the locker room. It was, I don't know, it's hard. It's hard. Again, it's why I find this sport to be so spectacularly intimate, you know? Mm. And it's, yeah, you're right. It has given us a, 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 not a sight we want to see and a feeling we want to feel from point zero, but by virtue of the fact that we've had this situation we are experiencing something that we would never have experienced before it's it's like being invited into their their backyards where they're just having their own pickup game of tennis that's exactly right there's not this big grandiose you know entrance it's it's more like yeah uh just come on through the kitchen uh, <laughs> and and i happen to like that and again, I think that's why you asked me why, why this has been so special for me. I think it's that. Mm. I think the fact that you can just easily go and watch them practice and and watch, you know, little Leo, Vika's little boy. Uh, yeah, and he's a happy little guy, you know, just see him goofing around on the, on this play area that the USGA has designed for the players and their kids. And to watch, you know, Serena's little Olympia just with her little mask on. I mean, the, when you think about it, you know, the visuals become striking sometimes. Um, and, and you recognize what that there's a global pandemic and this is going on anyway. And I have to tell you, David, um, this is the anniversary of 9-11 yeah. when the Twin Towers came down. And it is a solemn day here in New York. Um, the bells are ringing and every single network uh, in New York, major network is there at the site um, downtown close to where my apartment is and they do this very solemn thing where they read the names of all those who were killed on 9-11 yeah um I, I again if you're if you're from this town from this city and you're experiencing all these things at once and you see that tennis continues tennis figured out a way to still play <laughs> it's moving I, i'm telling you there's I'm going to be tired after this one, you know. A lot, a lot's happened. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it will stay with us. I agree with you. And um, and the final that is to come features mm. two players with so much going on with them, and and also they just there was there were periods where, particularly with Azarenka, from from when she started the comeback, it felt like she just went into the zone. Like she was in the zone for about an hour and a half. I mean, and and we had the same with Osaka in spells, and and mm -hmm. they couldn't be playing better, really. I don't think so. I, 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 again, if my I I picked Osaka to win this tournament when it started, just because I think Naomi has a lot to prove, and she understands that. Uh, the more she wins, the more she gets to wear the masks with the names of the victims of of violence against people of color. Um, I, I think it has given her even more purpose than just wanting to win tennis matches. She understands her personal power. I, so I'm picking Osaka to beat an inspired Vika. But again, I, I maintain, I, I'm fine with Victoria Azarenka winning a major again, yeah. you know? being in a, a major final again for the first time in seven years. Um, they are two tremendous hardcore players. 
they really they really are and this whole year has been hard and <laughs> and they're still saying yeah give me the balls let let's <laughs> let's go let let's do this um yeah and actually ahead. the the just as a final thought it was it was a beautiful thing that um Billie Jean King was on ESPN yesterday talking about mm. the anniversary of the original nine and brimming with pride with what she yeah. was seeing on the court as well. And I imagine you felt something similar. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Billie Jean's got her... Billie Jean, keep in mind that five decades ago when the, the original nine women broke away from the pack and said, this isn't fair and we're going to start our own tour... This is the USTA, which back then was the US Lawn LTA, Lawn Tennis Association, said they shut the door on these women. They said, well, guess what? You're never going to play any of our tournaments again. So here that, that Billie Jean was able to somehow navigate through all of the cockamamie male politics of this sport for so long and continuing to fight the good fight um, and that now this whole sport tennis center is named after her by the USTA. <laughs> How the hell did she pull that off, David? How? And, and I've been fortunate enough to be a, a friend of Billy's for a long while. And over the decades that I've been in this game, I have needed her counsel time and again. And I've gotten frustrated and fed up. And, you know, these people are pigs and whatever that, whatever my problem was uh, in that particular hour. And Billy would always say, you cannot walk away. You can, you have to stay in the room. That's, you can't leave the building and throw rocks at the window. And, okay, I think I've, <laughs> I've tried doing that. Um, I've tried doing that and, uh, with, I guess, mixed success. But, yes, last night, the, the quality of tennis was so spectacular. The fact that the U.S. Open happened this year anyway that is everything that Billie Jean King believes in. And, uh, yes, I was very, very happy and pleased for her. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a lovely story. And, and uh, the original nine and the story of, well, one of so many that Billie Jean King has been responsible for, uh, stories we want to tell in depth on the tennis podcast in the future. Um, thanks very much for that little, uh, little teaser because uh, – you know, we, we're in awe of her, quite honestly. I saw my – hey, David, I have to – I know I shared this on a WhatsApp group with you and Catherine and Matt last night, but I want to repeat this story to you again because it, it certainly – it occurred to me during the watching of the semis last night. I, I told you the story about how Steffi Graf, when she was still at the height of her powers, was asked um, what her idea of a dream match would be. And Steffi gave it a think. And then she said, center court, Wimbledon, against Martina, with no fans, with no one in the stands. <laughs> and when Martina was told that that's what Steffi's dream match would be, she said she'd, she'd be there in a heartbeat. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? It says everything, really, about... It says everything about who she is, the, right? About Which, competitors, you know, at, the, at that level that... There's all the fame, there's all the money, there's all the hullabaloo, and yet, actually, if you strip it down, the that's real right. champions just want to go at it and see what happens. The real, that's, ex- that's exactly right. The real champions are just looking at, across the net saying and holding up the balls and saying, all right, these are good. These are good. Let's go. 
And that's what Azarenka and Osaka are going to be doing tomorrow night. And actually, so. you know, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like Osaka has found that within herself now. She's just got a, a love of, she loves the game. She loves competing. And I don't yes. think she was sure whether she loved it enough to put up with all the other stuff a year yeah. ago. Yeah. And now look at her. She has, she is a woman of uncommon skills on and off the court. Boy, it's, it's been a hell of a thing to watch. We got something good to look forward to tomorrow. Mary, thanks ever so much for your time. It's a pleasure. As Anytime, always. my friend. Anytime. Do you know, Matt, every time we have Mary Carilla on the show, I sort of think, well, it can't be as good as last time. <laughs> That's what logic <laughs> then, tells you, isn't it? And then it's better. It always oh, dear. is. Oh, amazing. The stories she tells and the turns of phrase, just, it's just a treat, really, to listen to. So thanks ever so much to Mary for, for coming on um, and sharing her thoughts. And I, I found it all quite moving, really. Um, the way she spoke about the experience of, of this tournament, um, which is unlike anything we've ever had before. Hopefully it's unlike anything we have again, but that may not be the case. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, but it won't be forgotten. She's, she's right about that. Um, and that last story as well about uh, Graf and Navratilova and, and just the, the, the raw essence of the, the athletes and the competitors. It's... It's it's shown me something I don't think I knew before in that regard. The the players they used to be before they were famous almost. Yeah, I mean such such rich insight from Mary about what it's like to be there and just just invaluable really, something that we can't you know, we can't portray because we're not there. Um and I think this whole year, to be honest, has has made me really think about my own connection with tennis and what it is I like about the sport and why I think matches are thrilling and that kind of thing. And for a, for a long, long time, I've thought that the connection between a player and a fan is right at the top of what makes tennis so compelling and enthralling. And I, and I still do believe that. And I'm, as I said, I, I can't wait for the day that fans return, but I have I have learned something about the players I think in this period the way they are still able to compete and produce such a high level of tennis in these empty stadiums in these dead stadiums they they themselves are able to bring them alive and I'm not sure I was expecting that I I I thought it would be I thought the actual matches would be worse I think because because of not having fans but they haven't been the actual tennis with the exception of Alexander Zverev versus Paolo Cronio-Busta, the actual tennis in this tournament at times has been as good as anything I've ever seen, really. Certainly those women's semifinals, as Mary described. And it, it really does tell you something about what motivates these players and just just their competitive instincts. And having having the stakes of a US Open is, is kind of enough. Yeah, no, it is. So this women's final, what do you think is going to happen? Who, who, who are you picking? I'm picking Naomi Osaka because I've picked her from the start, so I can't back down now. And I've not seen anything to suggest that she's not going to perform in this, in this final. She is she's hitting the ball beautifully, moving incredibly well, and just generally looking like a Grand Slam champion. 
the problem is you could say exactly the same about Victoria Azarenka and I think it's it's going to be a little bit of fire meets fire in that final and I'm I'm already salivating at the at the prospects of these rallies and I think I think we could be in for a classic but I'm yeah. but I'm going to back Osaka still I think she's just about got the higher gears do you know, I think we're going to get a very similar match to what we've just seen between Medvedev and team. I think it will be straight sets for Osaka, but I think it'll be two very tight sets, uh, at, least a, at least a thrilling feel to it. Um, but we will see. Uh, it's all to come tomorrow. Uh, we've had some other uh, storylines today. We had the, the women's doubles final with uh, Vera's von Reva and Laura Sigmund winning the title wonderful scenes in that in that match because those two have been through a lot Laura Sigmund's had all sorts of injuries over the years Zvonareva is now 36 10 years ago she was in the singles final and she's had a, a long time out because of injuries and she also gave birth to her her daughter in in that time and so it's it's really something to have seen her out there on the court giving a, a victory ceremony speech and it was 14 years since she last won the US Open women's doubles title. An wow. extraordinary time span and everything she's been through in that time. Yeah, it was, it was really special scenes. Yeah, it was. Um, and in the wheelchair events, Alfie Hewitt is into the final of both the singles and doubles. So tomorrow's action starts at 5 o'clock UK time, 12 local with Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed against Nicholas Pfeiffer and Stefan Uday. Um, the singles final in the women's event is Osaka against Azarenka. That's 9 o'clock UK time on the Arthur Ashe Stadium court. So 4 o'clock local time in New York. There's also the women's wheelchair singles final between Dida de Groot of the Netherlands and Yui Kamiji of Japan. And the final of the quad doubles, Dylan Olcott of Australia alongside Andy Lapthorne, the British player, uh, up against Sam Schroeder of the Netherlands and David Wagner of the United States. So that's all coming your way tomorrow. Catherine will be back tomorrow on the podcast. We felt that she probably needed more than about four hours sleep tonight because it's a. She's got the biggest job of all of us. I talk on the radio. Uh, Matt's obviously working himself. I mean, we we did actually finish at about nine a.m. this morning, uh, which was hilarious. And I did have a beer and then go and have my fry up and then uh, and then go to bed. Um, but yeah, we just thought, <laughs> really, this is this is getting silly. Something's got to give. But and then we had Mary Carillo. So what more do we need? Fantastic. In a, a very weird Grand Slam, but there was one tradition we needed to maintain, and that was Mary Carrillo on the pod. Correct. And that's what we've done. So we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, thanks very much for, for listening. Zeus, thank you for being our mascot, you wonderful dog. And uh, do leave us an iTunes review if you've enjoyed the show over the last couple of weeks. And tell your friends about the show if you think that they might enjoy it as well. And we will be back with you again after the women's final tomorrow. See you then. 
with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.